0: Good morning, Mill Springs. Good morning. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. Our scripture reading is going to come. We're going to read the whole first chapter. Ephesians chapter 1. The first verse says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heaven, heavenly places in Christ. Just as He, that is the Father, shows us in Him, Jesus Christ, before the foundation of the world that he, that we would be holy and blameless before Him. Verse 5 says, In love, He, that is the Father, predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace which He, that is the Father, freely bestowed on us in the Beloved, which is Jesus Christ. In Him we have redemption through His, that is Jesus Christ's blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, He Again, that is, God our Father made known to us the mystery of His will according to His kind intention, which He purposed in Him, as Jesus Christ, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. In verse 11, in him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his, again that's God our Father's purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who are the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. Verse 13 says, in Him, again, that's in Jesus Christ, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him, Jesus Christ, in Him, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of His glory. And verse 15 tells us, For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, which exists among you and your love for all the saints, for this reason, Paul says, I do not cease giving thanks for you, while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him as Jesus Christ. In verse 18, Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. "...so that you will know what is the hope of His calling. What are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of His?" Again, that's the Father's power towards us who believe. "...these are in accordance with the working of the strength of His might, which He brought about in Christ." when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And in verse 22, Paul says, And He, that is God our Father, put all things in subjection under His, and that's Jesus Christ's feet, and gave Him as head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him, who fills all in all. Praise God for our wonderful salvation in Him. May God bless the reading of His Word. Amen. And for all of you folks that haven't been here for some time, you found your way back home. And I don't need introduction to this guy. Everybody knows who this is. So just
1: praise the Lord. Well, I hardly know what to say. Um, Denise asked me, what are you going to say? What's the first thing you're going to say? And I said, I have no idea. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just overwhelmed. Please give me just a moment. I'm so thankful for all of you. Uh, I I left physically, but I, my heart never left here. I thought about you all, all the time. We had, uh, really, we had almost constant contact, didn't we, just through messaging and so on. As we, you know, I, I kept up with what was going on here at the church. I want to say thank you to Richard for filling the pulpit the way that he did so faithfully. Um, I kept up with you all. Uh, The Lord, somebody told me, I didn't even realize it, but uh, counted eight funerals that I came back here and did in this past year. So I really have, I mean, I've not been here physically, but my, my mind and my heart's been with you. Uh, you 've just been knit to to me, and uh, I am beyond humbled that you would come and I see Jean, I just now saw Jean back there. Uh, just thank you all so much, Father. We pray that you will bless this sermon and use it to encourage your people, strengthen us. For the work that lies ahead. You're a sovereign God. None of us today is here by accident. You have a will and a design that no one can withstand. And so we bow before you. We bow humbly. And we bow with thanksgiving because you don't do anything wrong. We trust you, Lord, with what you're doing now and what you're going to do. All glory be to Christ our King, in whose name we pray. Amen. My title this morning is, For This Purpose, That We Might Declare God's Praise. Will you open your Bible to Isaiah chapter 43, and we're going to look at verses 18 through 21. Isaiah 43, 18 to 21. We Christians treasure the book of Isaiah. In fact, I'm guessing it probably contains some of your favorite verses. Possibly, now I just ask you to turn to 43, but if you'll go back over to chapter 1, verse 18, could it be that this is one of your favorite verses? Isaiah 118. Come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Or maybe chapter 26, verse 3. That could be one of your favorites. 26.3 You keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. And I'll bet for some of us it's chapter 40, verse 8. That's a favorite. 40, verse 8. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of our God will stand forever. Forever. And then over in the same chapter, over to verse 30. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And then, of course, there's the glorious 53rd chapter, right, of Isaiah so many verses in 53, but how about this verse? Verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Chapter 55, verses 6 and 7. Oh, a plea to every one of us. Favorite, one of my favorites, chapter 66, the second part of the second verse where the Lord says, But this is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Such reverence for God's Word that He trembles. So many beloved verses, aren't there, in Isaiah? It's also one of the best-loved prophetic books of the Old Testament. 17 books of prophecy. And did you know that the New Testament quotes Isaiah directly... More than 65 times. You remember at the beginning of Jesus' ministry when he goes into the synagogue uh, in Nazareth and the scroll is handed to him and he begins to read the scroll and then he rolls it back up and he says, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Do you remember that? And all the people were astonished. Do you, do you know what he was reading from? Which book? The book of Isaiah. In Hebrew, the name Isaiah means Yahweh is salvation, and that's fitting because this book's theme is salvation. In fact, the word salvation occurs 26 times in the prophecy of Isaiah, only seven times in the rest of the prophets combined. As for Isaiah's ministry, it was a long one, stretching from 740 to 680 B.C., a tumultuous time in the history of Israel because of trouble inside the nation in the form of apostasy, trouble on the outside of the nation in the form of the advancing threat of the Assyrian Empire. But as John Martin says, in this political struggle and spiritual decline, Isaiah rose to deliver a message to the people in Judah that they should trust in the God who had promised them a glorious kingdom through Moses and David. A glorious kingdom which, by the way, Hamas will not be able to stop, Joseph. Joseph uh, mentioned what's happening right now in Israel. These vicious attacks. I looked at the news on my way up this morning and saw that at least 300 Israelis have been killed. More than 1,000 have been injured. Many of them are in critical condition. Others have been, uh, dozens of them have been kidnapped and taken to Gaza as hostages. And meantime, Israel, of course, is striking back. Brothers and sisters, your Bible says... Psalm 122.6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We need to see that we do that. Which brings us now to our text. We've set up the context of Isaiah. I want us to look at verses 18 through 21. Listen to this. This is the Lord speaking. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. Oh, Mill Springs, I have been yearning to assure you of this for a long time. Everything That occurs is ultimately for this purpose that we might declare God's praise. Whatever happens, whatever comes our way, God remains, God is, and God ever shall be worthy of praise. Because from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. He works all things according to the counsel of His will, as we heard Brother Richard read. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Haven't we seen it? Since last we were together. Hasn't our God been faithful? Hasn't he been loving? Hasn't he been patient? Hasn't he been good? Hasn't he supplied? All I have needed, thy hand, Hath provided not all I have wanted, but all I have needed. So that everything that occurs is ultimately for this purpose that God's people might declare God's praise. And I do mean everything that occurs the hurtful things, the painful things, the disappointing things, the misunderstood things, the misconstrued things, all things, everything. I hope your theology is big enough for that. Because I know some of you have been through some really difficult times. We have dear ones in this room this morning who are grieving the passing of a loved one. But I hope your theology is big enough to realize that everything that happens is that we might declare the praise of God. And I say that because sooner or later you're going to need a theology that big. You remember Job? Sure, everybody remembers Job. What happened to Job? He lost everything except his wife who... uh, was not exactly an encourager. She was hurt. And yet Job 1.20 and 21 says that Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground. this man is utterly grief-stricken. He's not sloughing off all that's happened to him like it's no big deal. No, he's grieving. He's crushed. And yet the Scripture says that he fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Can you complete it? Blessed be the name of the Lord. And he said later, though he slay me, though he God killed me, yet I will hope in him Christians in twenty twenty-three, we need to learn to sing the way that our Christian forebears used to sing. You know how they sang? Samuel Rodegast wrote this for singing in sixteen seventy-five. He wrote these words Whatever my God ordains is right. Here shall my stand be taken, though sorrow, need, or death be mine yet I am not forsaken. My Father's care is round me there. He holds me that I shall not fall. And so to Him, I leave it all. He holds me that I shall not fall. He is my God, though dark my road. He holds me that I shall not fall. And so to Him, I leave it all. You see, everything is ultimately for this purpose, that we might declare God's praise, especially as concerns our future. Now look with me at this stunning thing the Lord says to Israel in verse 18. Stunning. He says... Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Am I reading that correctly? Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. What former things are they not to remember? What things of old are they not to consider? Well, former things... And things of old like this. Go back to Exodus chapter 9, verse 1. Exodus 9 1. Exodus 9 1. I need you to feel the astonishment that the Lord would say to Israel don't remember the things in the past which would include this. Exodus 9 1. Now the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will fall with a very severe plague upon your livestock that are in the field, the horses, the donkeys, the camels, the herds and the flocks. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt, so that nothing of all that belongs to the people of Israel shall die. And the Lord set a time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. And the next day the Lord did this thing. All the livestock of the Egyptians died. But not one of the livestock of the people of Israel died. And Pharaoh sent, and behold, not one of the livestock of Israel was dead. But the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. What an astonishing thing. Go over to chapter 12, verse 29. Here's another former thing, a thing of old. Old. both you and the people of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you've said. Take your livestock, your herds, as you have said, and be gone and bless me also. The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, we shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened. Their kneading bowls being bound up in their cloaks on their shoulders. The people of Israel had also done as Moses had told them. For they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. So that they let them have what they asked. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. Who ever heard of this? It's a bunch of slave people going out of the mightiest nation on earth. And they plunder that nation. One more, Exodus chapter 14, verse 15. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. Let's go all the way down to 26. We'll save the time. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the water may come back over the Egyptians who were passing through, back over the Egyptians, upon their chariots, upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through that sea, the waters being a wall to them on the left and a wall to them on their right hand. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. And you say, wow, these, these are incredible events, works of the power of God, displays of His power. And the Lord is saying, don't remember? Wasn't Israel called to remember? Weren't they commanded to remember? Well, you're right on both counts. In Exodus thirteen three, then Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you came out from Egypt out of the house of slavery, for by a strong hand the Lord brought you out from this place. Deuteronomy five fifteen, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Deuteronomy nine seven, remember and do not forget how you provoked the Lord your God to wrath in the wilderness? And Judges 8.34 condemns Israel's folly and unbelief in these terms. And the people of Israel did not remember the Lord their God, who had delivered them from the hand of all their enemies on every side. Well, then how does God now tell His people in Isaiah 43.18 not to remember the past? He tells them this because what he's going to do in their future is so great that the past is going to pale in comparison. In other words, what's coming is going to eclipse what has been. Behold, verse 19, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. God is going to lead Israel on a second Exodus. This one out of Babylon, where they'll have been taken captive. And like the first Exodus, God's going to provide them miraculous safe passage through that wilderness, water in the desert. He's going to protect them from the wild beasts and being delivered by God's power once more. Israel, once more. We'll declare God's praise. And that's exactly what happened. Out of Babylonian exile in the 6th and the 5th centuries, Israel came declaring the Lord's praise as Isaiah prophesied. You can hear their praise over in Psalm 126. Let me just read this quickly. Listen to this. This is a post-exilic psalm written after the exile. And they say in these first three verses, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. But don't miss this, brothers and sisters. Isaiah's prophecy reaches way beyond this near fulfillment of Israel's modest homecomings from Babylon. Remember, God promises Israel that the future is going to gloriously eclipse the past. Isaiah's prophecy reaches all the way to the far fulfillment when the Messiah is going to regather Israel from the nations and establish his millennial reign on earth. As Echan explains, God made distinct, unilateral, unconditional, and irrevocable covenants from his chosen nation with his chosen nation Israel. These covenants include the promise of a great nation, land, defined by specific earthly boundaries, blessing to Israel and through her, blessing to the world, salvation with the coming of the Messiah, and finally a great and glorious kingdom in which the king will rule in Jerusalem. The book of Revelation tells us this kingdom will last for a thousand years, and so it is known as the Millennial Kingdom then after the thousand-year earthly reign of Christ, the entire universe as we know it will now be dissolved and God will unveil a new heaven and a new earth, the eternal state where the righteous will live in joy with God forever. And the people, ultimately, believing Jews and Gentiles in Christ, whom the Lord says in that last verse we looked at, that He formed for Himself sovereignly. They will declare His praise forever and forever. Praise the Lord. Now, brothers and sisters, God has done remarkable things in this church in the past. For example, this facility, this wonderful room, these beautiful windows I absolutely love. You know, one of my greatest accomplishments when I was here before was we got that screen down where we could see our window on Sunday mornings. You can put that on my tombstone if you want, but (laughs) He moved a screen. <laughs> Remarkable things God has done for us. He has supplied this church dozens and dozens of faithful pastors in our history who have held true to the scriptures for 195 years. You know, we were founded in 1828. Generations of members He's given us who have insisted on biblical faithfulness and who have helped this church forward. Now I want to say, I hope Brother John Northern, I hope he can hear me, because I want to say this to Brother John. Brother John, you and your best friend, Reese Cox, you were telling me, used to come out when you were boys you would come out and you'd put linseed oil on the floors to keep the dust down while this church gathered together. Isn't that right? Yep. Yeah. And you would come here at 4 a.m. in the morning with Reese to build a fire so that the building would be warm. Because there's no insulation. The building would be warm enough for the church to gather and meet in. And this was when the pews were homemade. Now, brothers and sisters, God has indeed done incredible things for this church in the past. And He would not want me, of course, to fail to mention the hundreds and hundreds of conversions that this church has seen over the many years. God would never have us utterly forget those things and totally disregard them. But you know what? On the principle of Isaiah 43:18 to 21, God would have us focus forward rather than backward. Now that's a New Testament principle, isn't it? One thing I do, Paul said, forgetting what lies behind, and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, Peter said, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. God would have what He's going to do now in Mill Springs and into the future get the lion's share of our attention and focus. Behold, He says, I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? I'm going to tell you what, I perceive it. You can tell by looking at me, this ain't my first rodeo. I've never seen God do what God has done here. I was excited when I came here in 2013. I'm even more excited here in 2023. Watch and see if God in his mercy doesn't eclipse what has been with what's coming to this church. For this purpose that we might declare his praise. Father, thank you so much for your glorious word through the prophet Isaiah. Thank you that the future belongs to you and you will bring to pass everything that is written for the your your promises, your covenants, your oaths are irrevocable, and we trust You, Lord, thanking You for the past, rejoicing in the now and in what You're going to do. Father, we need to see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on this church that will leave every person who sees, knowing that it can only be explained by the hand of Almighty God. So please, Lord, we're begging You, in the days to come, pour out Your Spirit. Take the things off of us that are restricting us. Give us a passion for Your Word, a hunger and a thirst for it like we've never had before. Help us to love each other, encourage each other and pray for each other all we can. Lord, let the glory and the praise come to you. All of it. All of it. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.